This is true buzz. That Mary Jane, now we ain't new to this. For my stoners and for my cannabis enthusiasts. Never heard a show as good as this. Yeah, number one, it's the best. Bringing in many special guests in the industry of cannabis. Business owners to growers, even artists you know of. So sit back and just roll up the perfect show for my smokers. True buzz. Oh yeah, thank you for tuning in today. And welcome to the True Bud Show. Today I have Source Cannabis here. We have COO and Master Grower Ali and CEO Atari on the show today. Their story and history speaks for itself. They're deep, they've been in the trenches, they know the game, they know what's going on. Source Cannabis, you know, just pride themselves in quality bud. Their bud, like I said, speaks for itself. Uh, you guys do about 30 strains to perfection. 140 full-time employees on their roster there and they live by the golden rule that i can get behind 110 percent which is dope we only cultivate cannabis we would consume ourselves i love that guys that's really dope absolutely thank you yeah yeah, yeah it's nice to be here it's great to have you yeah so tell me a little something about yourselves guys would you like to start yeah um yeah i'm the ceo um, co-founder of this company um Basically, I was on the East Coast, and I got into cannabis, you know, smoked it, loved it, you know, kind of started dealing, and uh, felt that it was a very, you know, I don't really like authority, but I really despise unethical authority, and for me, the laws were very archaic. Uh, if you could go fight in a war, why can't you smoke weed? And uh, so it was my way of kind of, you know, righteously rebelling by selling marijuana in a very conservative area. You know, I got in trouble for it, big trouble. Um, but I kept fighting, you know, and just felt it was immoral. And I uh, wanted to rebel and kept going for it. And then I wanted the best cannabis, so I moved out to California. And uh, through a lot of uh, homework by smoking a lot, you know, I, I found that um, there were certain growers that grew in a way that was just superior to anyone else. And uh, wanted to take the risk. It was very risky at that time. We had a lot of problems with robberies, you know, burglaries, uh, a lot of criminals, a lot of, uh, you know, oppressive laws locally, statewide, with the DEA, you know. And uh, so we, you know, lost a lot of sleep, but wanted to keep fighting because I just th thought it was very, very unethical. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand it. So... Uh, I found out that these growers had a certain style of growing and they were mostly from up north. LA at that time, I don't, you know, I don't, although people always brag about how great their pot is, I, I never felt that LA really had the best product out there. Most of the best product really came up from the north. So I met Ali and some of his protégés and uh, decided that that's the kind of the group that I wanted to, you know, be a part of. And I was good in business and they were excellent growers and uh, Ali led them. And him and I, you know, after years of just doing business, became business partners, and we had the same vision. We actually became very close friends, and we had a lot of similarities. We liked, we all liked, you know, MMA, and we liked certain things. So it was easy to become friends. And then we loved smoking good cannabis, and they grew the best. And since then, I've never smoked. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody else, but it's very important for me to, to smoke clean, functional, you know, high-end cannabis. And they have a way of doing it. Uh, and I, you know, I've learned to grow. I'm not you know, a master grower, but I know how to grow. Uh, and I like the style. It was about, you know, the ethics of growing. And we decided to not use certain chemicals and certain things that uh, made it dangerous to smoke. We wanted 
something that even when we were on the underground, if we sold it even on the black market, that we're going to sell something that we would consume ourselves. And we went with it and decided that, you know, with my marketing background, the way I knew how to sell and the way he knew how to grow, that there was some magic there, like being on the, like, you know, the, the Bulls team. During the 90s, you know, we knew we could win. And we basically are doing very well now. You know, our, short, our brand is, there's a waiting list for it. Uh, we can't produce enough. Uh, it's climbing up the charts. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very proud and, and, and humbled at the same time to be doing this well. But we kind of had an idea that there's a demand for high-end cannabis. So that's my story. You know? That's an awesome story. And that's awesome how you guys connected on that level and have created something really dope. Now, Ali, tell me a little bit about like your story being up north and kind of your inspiration and how you kind of maybe some of your methods, too, and just yeah, what you do with your growing. Certainly. So currently I'm chief operations officer of Source Cannabis and um, assume the role of master grower, lead grower for the company as we use my growing system. Um, originally, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, moved to L.A. about eight years ago, um, growing and I've been smoking cannabis for almost 30 years. Growing up in the Bay Area, I was exposed to a lot of high-quality cannabis from the very get-go. Uh, besides the growers that were there in the Bay Area proper, you had folks from Mendocino and Humboldt and the whole Emerald Triangle up there um, sending weed down to the Bay Area. So I was exposed to mostly soil-grown cannabis. Um, I, I do like hydroponic cannabis too, but I always revert back to soil-grown. I prefer soil-grown. Um, you know, after something like you know, 13, 14, 15 years of smoking. Uh, I had a close friend who was a fantastic organic grower. He grew in soil indoors. Um, he convinced me and uh, my roommate at the time, who is now also a master grower with Source Cannabis, he convinced us back then that um, if the money that we were spending with him buying ounces and QPs all the time, if we put that towards a power bill, and put up lights in our home and started growing weed at home that we would have more than enough to smoke ourselves and then some left over to sell right um, not much because it was a really small grow but we decided to go for it right so i wanted quality control over my own smoke because i ingest it every day right um, when you buy from out there you don't necessarily know what you're getting so we decided to start growing in addition to that we were in our 20s back then and sort of ideological you know our company now has a mission statement of transforming the world by elevating the human experience. So back then we were very ideological and we believed, hey, you know, if we grow the proper cannabis and share it with the right people and put it in the right hands, we're going to actually transform people's inner experience. They're going to feel elevated and somehow their life is going to improve as a result. So we decided to go for it. And it took many, many years to dial in the growing skills. But along the way, every time I would you know, sell a pound to a medical cannabis dispensary or share some with family and friends, the feedback was, hey, your cannabis is different. It has a different vibration or a different frequency, so to speak. And I feel elevated or I feel like my life has changed. I feel like I'm transforming for the better. It was very, very rarely that I would hear, oh, your pot makes me paranoid, you know, or depressed. Um, the people who would say that had a natural orientation towards that kind of state of being. And cannabis is not for everybody. But for the people it is for, the cannabis that I grew from the very beginning always got very positive compliments. Um, so 
my years of living in the Bay Area were mostly spent just dialing in the skill set, right? The, the craft of growing cannabis. And then I got an offer eight years ago to move to L.A. Uh, and run a couple big grows for a dispensary group down here. Uh, decided to pull the trigger on that and, 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 you know, come down here and bring my model of growing cannabis into Southern California. Because as Atari said, you didn't have a lot of fine quality cannabis on the marketplace here a decade ago. Um, after a couple months of moving down here, uh, the, the organization I was working with was taken out in a major federal raid, DEA raid. They sent like 70 armed agents in into the grow uh, and into the dispensaries. Yeah, um, detained everybody, shut everything down, killed all the plants uh, in front of our eyes, um, kept everybody handcuffed all day. Uh, and it was a very traumatic uh, incident. And it kind of booted me out of the cannabis business right after I had decided to get into it really professionally from a hobby level into a professional level. Uh, and from a, a couple years prior, he and I had known each other. Um, he was a, a partner and co-owner of a dispensary here in L.A. And I was one of their top vendors, one of their top growers. So we had known each other and had gone through, through a few sort of unfortunate circumstances um, where we never really got to work with each other on a deeper level, but we always kept in touch. And so now at this point, you know, 2013, 14, I'm unemployed. I'm thinking about getting out of the cannabis business, cannabis space altogether. He and I start talking and, uh, you know, he had also had a bad experience on the dispensary side, on the retail side. Um, and I had a bad experience on the cultivation side and decided, hey, you know what, let's start working together. Let's see if we can develop something and try again. Um, and you know, there's a hundred stories I could tell from there on in, but here we are today with this label with source cannabis. Uh, you know, we, we got back, both got back into cannabis, into the cultivation side, eventually got into the medical marijuana business, uh, which was, um, uh, permitted here in Los Angeles under a local ordinance. Uh, and then from there, our, our businesses were grandfathered in or rolled over into the legal recreational market. Uh, and that's when source was born in 2018. That's, that's when we actually gave it the name Source, though the idea, the concept has been around since 2003, since my first grow room. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that concept and um, kind of the meaning behind Source. I know you touched on it a little bit, you know, with your mission statement and everything. Well, we didn't want to be, we basically, as a brand, didn't want to, we want to be bigger than anything. So we don't want to be associated with a rapper or uh, an influencer or some cool new wave or some sort of, uh, we didn't want to think like that. We want to be very inclusive of everyone. I don't care who you are. You know, uh, if you like cannabis, you like cannabis. If you don't, you don't. And, and I'm one of those people I never, I never believed in peer pressure. Like you got to try it. No, you shouldn't. You know, if you, if, if you haven't tried marijuana, I'm not saying you should, but if you are a consumer, then I, I would highly recommend you try really high end products um, you know, if you can, if, if that's within your price range, I think that that's something you will really enjoy. Uh, we decided we didn't want to come up with a name like, you know, so-and-so's, you know, like, like everybody else with the wild. Uh, we just didn't want to do that. We wanted, uh, we wanted to kind of like, like, uh, Ali brought up is we wanted to elevate, right. We, in, in everything we do. And that's one of the things that we do within our company. We try to be, we, we consider ourselves, see at source, we're not really just a brand, we're a tribe. And, you know, we're the tribe's leaders, you know, and if you know anything about a tribe, the leaders are only as strong as their tribe's people. We don't say tribesmen because we have wonderful people, you know. A community. A community. We're a community. And so our community uplifts us and allows us to be able to do that because they do such good work. And for that, we really dedicate ourselves to them. And so the thing is, is we focus on our internal, uh, you know, operations. 
And that shows for the people that are using our product. So when we started Source, our goal was to think not about six months or you know 60 years before after we're dead. What does what is Source going to be? And so it was hard coming up with a name. How do you come up with a name? And then Source popped in. Uh, somebody suggested it, and it was just like it's on. And so the thing is the Source. You know what is the Source? Source is the the, the growing method that that he developed, that Ali developed, and what are what we're doing. You know we are the source of this you know, elevation. So we try to uplift the community uh, internal. We try to uplift the whole community um, and everything that we do that, you know, we believe like, again, like there shouldn't be people serving 30 years for marijuana. That's that's insane and absurd. And we, we try to donate money to the causes that we feel can help people like that. And, uh, you know, from the beginning of what he said is basically the way he grew um, and the way I was getting into it, we, we really promote uh, outgrowing the system. So if, if you know anything about um, when it started converting to, to legal cannabis, there were some brands and some companies that didn't want people to grow at home. Whereas we developed a grow guide for you to grow at home because if you're a true cannabis uh, 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 lover and a true, if you really believe in what you're doing, you want everybody to grow. We want to outgrow the system. We're not threatened by, you know, people growing at home. It's like making your own wine or you should, you know, you should try it. Uh, because we know you're still going to smoke our product, so us to, to try. So it was we were noticing that there's people that were coming from the outside into the space for the money, and we've never really been money motivated. We're more mission driven. Like we really believe in this. Uh, we believe in the greatness of cannabis, and so we didn't follow that methodology. We 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 did our own thing. We said no. If you want to learn how to grow, ask us questions, and so that differentiates uh, us from other people. And you know, there's so many aspects of what we did. We only have one hour. And like he said, there's so many stories of like ups and downs. Uh, the things that we had to deal with just to get to this level. Uh, you know, you could make a series, let alone a movie. Uh, but, you know, Source is basically an all-inclusive brand. You know, whoever you are, if you're an 80-year-old lady, if you're a 25-year-old man, well, whoever you are, we're here for you. We don't really associate with any one person, any one group, any one fad. You know, we are just, a, we're, we're elevating ourselves above that, but we want to elevate everyone with us. Well, that's awesome, building that community, like you're mentioning, the tribe. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's showing in the, because you can't, this is, cannabis is not like, I, I was, we were talking earlier, it's not like making a plastic bottle. This is a living thing, so you need people to take care, if they're not happy, they're not going to take care of the plants. And then the experience that the end user has is is not going to be uh, as, as, as functional, as nice, as clean. So we need our people, and they know we need them, um, and they need us. So it's this wonderful relationship where there's a lot of respect between us. And, you know, we were just, like, we just introduced um, our health insurance plan with life insurance, um, uh, um, uh, dental, vision. And the lady that handled our insurance, you know, we're, we're paying 95%, and she said that, She'd never heard of that before. And the thing is, is no, we actually care about these people. Like these are the people that we see. I love going to work. I actually enjoy seeing, you know, you know, shaking hands with people. I love the people that I work with. And that's important to me. And so it boggles my mind where you see these huge companies where the CEO has $200 billion, but their people are on welfare. And that just boggles my mind. You know, we pay very well. We take care of And we're not like bragging that that's what we're doing. We just want to make sure that everybody shares in the success of this company. Uh, and if that means that I don't get a three mansions, uh, so what? If it means that I drive a smaller car, so what? But at least when I wake up, I go to work. I'm actually glad to be there, and I'm I'm welcomed with love. 
And so that's what we want to do as a, as, a, as a company is we want hopefully other companies to follow in our footsteps and say, yeah, you know, this is how it should be. We shouldn't just be trying to squeeze, uh, you know, uh, the, the weaker person to make more money. And the system itself, the system itself is very oppressive towards people that don't have money. And I, I know because if you have money, you get caught marijuana. Guess what? You're not going to go to jail. But if you don't have money, good luck. And so the system is, is really oppressive in general. And, and it bothers me because it, 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 it oppresses people that are weak. And, uh, and, and I can't, I just, I don't stand for that. I, you know, as a company, we don't stand for that. So we're hopefully, hope, we're hoping that our success will show other companies uh, that you don't have to be greedy to be successful. How you can do it by being real and actually caring about the people you work we with. We do care. Yeah, yeah. we really is, do care. I actually like these people, you know, like a lot of them came to my birthday party, you know, like, no, that's all. that makes me know, happy yeah. just talking <laughs> yeah. about yeah. it, man. Yeah, that's, no. That can be rare. Jack, to further answer your question, also source means so many different things on so many different levels, right? You take it, let's say on a metaphysical or spiritual level, source is the origination of creation. You know, everything comes from the source. If you look at the plants themselves, they are the source, the vessel for uh, that transforming the human experience that we were talking about. Um, if you look at the lighting, it's the source of energy. Uh, for the plant. If you look at water, a fundamental element of nature, it's the source of hydration and delivery method for nutrients and fertilizers to the plant. So we found that, you know, source resonated with us as a team because it just had so many different meaningful uh, definitions, you know. Um, uh, also, real quick, I'm sorry to divert. Speaking about caring about our people, we care about you, Jack, today. So we brought you <laughs> Oh, yeah, a little gift bag here we'd like to unpack with you it's got a bunch okay. of uh, source swag in it so okay I'm yeah about to get um, swagged out yeah let's go through it um because this is really cool stuff so all right we have an eighth of our best-selling uh strain this is quest people absolutely love it though i believe all our strains are amazing you should try everything from source because it's not just about the strain it's about how it's grown and how the plants are cared for um and also post-harvest how the product's cared for um, props to our trimming team and our distribution team. Um, <laughs> this is Tower. This is our pre-roll joint brand. Uh, in fact, in, in, our, in our company, in our offices, the word joint has been replaced by the word tower. We don't say let's smoke a joint. We say let's smoke a tower. I like that a lot. That's true. <laughs> this is a t-shirt. I hope it's the right. Oh, there's a couple t-shirts oh, in there. I hope I'm getting the right hooked side. up. Show, show your folks on I'm, air. I'm going to show some love here. Yeah, man. Got the, got the tea here. Maybe I can even... Uh, we don't own elements, but we uh, love their papers. Uh, oh, yeah. We use it ourselves. They're, Source lighters. Dude, I'm getting hooked up today right now. All right. This is the big one. All right. This is oh, like shoot. the headliner thought... here. All right. Uh, those are all the opening acts. <laughs> this is our really cool Christmas gift uh, that there's only a thousand of them made. Um, the first oh, people shoot. to get them were our own employees, our own staff. And then um, uh, uh, a lot of our top accounts, the top dispensaries that we work with, uh, their staff, their bud tenders and management and whatnot will be gifted this. But this is uh, um, our tower box. Uh, I'm going to let Atari explain a little bit about what it is and uh, where he got the idea to design oh, shoot. it. Shoot, Christmas came early. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's really, it's a collector's item, man. Really. Uh, Dude, you guys, thing, yeah, you guys, thank you. Only a thank thousand you. of them made. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put you on the list so you get one every year. But oh, damn. It's, it's a collection. Right, right. Uh, it's basically, uh, you can put it like in your library. Not that people have libraries anymore, but. Um, it's a book, so you know it looks like a book, and it has. This is volume two. Last year we started it. Last year, you know, we made seventeen hundred and fifty. This year we reduced it to a thousand because we wanted people to know, like, if you're only one of a thousand, that you mean something to us. And like he said, 
the first ones went out to our employees on our staff uh, because they're the most valuable t uh, people to us because they they really do help us um, you know send the message out and do you know help us uh, uh, continue to grow <laughs> Uh, literally, uh, and uh, but anyway, I'll let you read it. But basically, it comes with a lighter, it comes with an ashtray, and it comes with our Tower Seven pack. And uh, this is, there's a humid pack entombed in here, so it'll always stay fresh. But it comes with like seven uh, half gun pre rolls. That's freaking clean. It's very, we by far have the neatest yeah. joints, the coolest yeah. joints with packaging and everything. So. The way they smoke, the way they light on the market. By far, yeah. that's clean, huh? Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, I smoke a, a, them every day. A co-founder. Yeah. So yeah. you use yeah. a, for your pre-rolls, you use the same stuff that you put yes, in this. We don't and use. This smells sure. freaking amazing, by the way, and looks yeah. amazing. This and Quest the, here. And the thing is, is I guess the the talents that we have is that you know, he's a, an amazing grower, and I'm I'm, you know, I'm very good. I used to consult for companies on how to do packaging, even though I was selling weed on the side. Uh, but basically, uh, we've been told that our 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 flower is legendary. And our packaging is iconic. I'm gonna hand this to you and let you enjoy it. Uh, uh, I hope you like it. Feels it. good just grabbing that. Feel, <laughs> man. Yeah. So. Oh dang, that is. Oh damn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are treating me good today. Thank you for yeah. real. That thing's dang. off the hook. That thing's a super cool gift. Just kind of taking a peek here, everybody. Oh, yeah. oh, they slide in there like that's freaking nice, man. Yeah. We thought put a lot of thought of it. There's a magnetic closure, so. It, it feels really good. When yeah, you, when it feels it yeah. feels like a nice pack. Before COVID, uh, you know, we, we were selling a lot more because people like to take that to the clubs and uh, and concerts and stuff. Hell yeah! And then you know, but it's you know, it's sales have kind of not slowed down too much, but they were going up every month, and that's the only a product that that hasn't been selling extra. It's because it's really used for when you when you're when you're out and about and you don't want to roll a joint, but you don't want a, a fat uh, joint, so yeah, or tower. Yeah, yeah. You know, and won't this won't. I've seen ones that have like a softer pack, like you're saying, that might squeeze in your pocket no. and stuff. This is this is good to no, go. Is good. May the towers you burn light the way. That's dope. With yeah. the magnetic lid, so the lid closes upon itself. This is freaking yeah. clean. Yeah, my new favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> new York top seller. <laughs> you right. can reread it anytime you want. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't thank you guys enough for that. That's awesome. You're very thank welcome. You, yeah, it's, thank it's you for having here. us here today. Yeah. And this quest here. So you said this is kind of like the flagship. Uh, product they're all great people um, are actually starting to kind of counter for like there's brands that are coming out with quest and it's not the same quest but we we kind of are flattered because we always said that the minute people start copying you it's it's actually a it's very flattering because like fake louis vuittons you know so there's a lot of fake uh quest out there if you'll say but we we really uh like i say we we believe in like let the let the consumer decide. Let them smoke everybody else's and smoke ours. And we can't keep that on the shelf. As a matter of fact, we we can we can we can produce as much as we want, but we'll just never produce enough because it it flies off the shelf. People are buying it in droves because they're worried that they won't get it. Uh, we don't really. I mean, I think all our our product is great, but yeah. for some reason, Quest is the flagship. Uh, you know. So. And what are your guys' favorites of the? what you produce i like ogs ogs nice. yeah i think the the og high is amazing i also like some of the like strawberry cough uh, sativa has the taste that's amazing it's got its own unique high uh it changes i mean it, like you could ask me five years ago when i always said strawberry cough now ogs uh our d33 i mean there's the thing is is the problem is is that there's so many that like you it doesn't really like if 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 we don't the one actually that I like to smoke the most. We don't really grow for public, and it's because it's very difficult to grow. Uh, it's called Skittles. I mean, it's already a genetic out there, but the way 
the way our system is grows it it's phenomenal it's super euphoric uh the problem is is it doesn't have a good look so it doesn't have a lot of uh, if, if we if we put it out on the market people might not buy it it's also a very low testing thc and people are very attached to the high thc so we might do a small batch and just charge what it's really worth but it'll be like 120 eighth out the door so it's going to be very expensive price prohibitive but i that's what my favorite ultimate favorite strain okay, is okay there yeah. But it's not on the market for the yeah maybe a it's little like us. a small batch release for the connoisseurs out there maybe we're doing a mm -hmm. small batch now and we're giving uh, seventy five percent of it to all the staff oh nice and then twenty five percent we just keep yeah, they our, do have it good over there right you guys yeah. got <laughs> we have a two thousand person waiting list make it better and better yeah. Yeah. people yeah. are trying to work for us Jack oh, yeah, your last question was really good because it touches upon so many different subjects within the cannabis realm you know asking what strains you like. Um, like, for instance, me, myself, I like the OGs, too. Um, it's probably what I grow best. Um, but say something like the Skittles that Atari just referred to has lower THC. And I think this is we don't have to talk about this forever, but I think it's worth mentioning. It's a conversation that needs to be brought up in the cannabis space is that it's not just about THC numbers. There's a whole cannabinoid profile in there that each plant has. By each plant, I mean each strain. All right. Each strain has. And in addition to that, we all have like an internal experience that we have when we ingest something like an alcohol or a cannabis or a coffee or tea or whatever it is. It changes the texture of your consciousness. It changes your the your perception. Right. And how you're aware of things. And so I'm hoping that one day in the future uh, there will be a resurgence or a renaissance of strains that uh, maybe have a little bit less THC but have something else to offer, like our Skittles. It's lower THC and it's not pretty. Now, the Skittles strain was developed more for, for concentrates, for dabbing, because the taste is just unreal. So it's not the prettiest flower. But even the flower, the dry flower for smoke, before it gets turned into concentrate, is amazing. And so one day there'll be a resurgence of strains like this um, that are perhaps lower in THC or not as pretty, you know, they might not, might not turn purple or have that white look that the Quest has, but they make up for it. They they provide value to the user in some other way. And terpenes as well. And, and I feel like that you guys are at the forefront of that. And thank you for, you know, coming on today to help educate sure. and talk about more because it just I, needs to be a conversation, right? Like we're having now. I, I like to make this analogy, the equivalent of what's going on in the cannabis market. And it's okay because it's still a young market. It's a new market is as if you walk into like a liquor store and you just go right for that, you know, 40 proof or whatever it is, liquor, because you think that you're getting the most for your dollar. Um, but the reality is we all drink a beer or a wine or eat, I know I'm not drinking whiskey and tequila every time I want an alcoholic beverage. Right. Um, so right now in the cannabis space, when everybody's going for that 30 percent THC, that's the equivalent of what they're doing. Um, and like I said, one day there'll be a resurgence of the, the beers and the wine, so to speak, you know, something that offers a different experience. Um, that's not just about the THC number. One I'll, of the lowest testing strains uh, that we ever grew was uh, Master Kush. Master Kush. And it was like 8%. 8%. Like, you have to understand, is if it goes below 20%, no one will buy it. So 8%, like, that means absolutely it's there's no market for it. But I took two bong hits of that, and I couldn't speak for an hour. And in a good way. It wasn't like I couldn't speak. It's like I didn't want to speak. And it, I was in this such a good, uh, such a good mood that I could feel the breeze uh, hitting my face. You know, it was just amazing. And but there's no market for it. But I would love to 
uh, smoke that, but there's no market for it. And I'm like Ali says, we as a company are hoping one day that we can have enough of a following where we can introduce uh, lower, uh, lower testing strains. And there are there's the, the connoisseurs are like that. Like I, I would consider myself a connoisseur, and there's a, more people I would say in the Bay Area that are uh, connoisseur uh, smokers. But they don't look at if you're looking at just the THC, then get extracts, get like you know bubble hash, and that's got more THC than anything else. You want the whole like our cannabis always tests in the top one percent of terpenes. That says something because we grow in soil. Uh, for example, strawberry cough I mentioned it earlier has seven times the mercine levels that the other stuff we grow, but it has a completely unique high. If you smoke it in the afternoon, you start seeing different colors. So, and it's very popular and we're, you know, we, we grow that strain, although it, you know, it's a low yielder, it's very difficult to grow and it sells out immediately because people love it. But again, it's, it's a, it's a high THC tester, but even without the THC, the, the terpene levels alone can really give you an effect that is unique. So I'm hoping, and we're hoping, uh, that the market will mature and understand that just because, you know, I can give you some really terrible cannabis that tests 32%. So it really has no meaning. We grow, we grow and and sell the higher testing THCs because that's what the market demands, and we need to get our product out there. We're hoping that in five years that we will have such a big following that we could say, try this. And I guarantee you, most people will be very, very happy and impressed. Skittles, like I say, is phenomenal, and and I will also say that Skittles is very medicinal, and so we are trying to we're doing testing to introduce a medicinal line that has no bearing on the THC because. And when I say it's medicinal, I was getting a procedure done and I had to take all these like medicines, liquids. And I was on the level of nausea. You know, I don't mind like if my foot hurts or my shoulder hurts, but nausea and headache pissed me off more than anything else in the world. And I was at level like nine on the one to 10 scale of nausea. And I was about to cancel the procedure at two in the morning. I was going to just email them saying, I'm not coming in. And I remembered we had Skittles and I rolled a fat joint. I will say it's not a tower, it's a joint because I hand rolled it. And I smoked it within five minutes. Nausea was gone and I was hungry. And so I realized that, that that was really medicinal. And so if we can get people to understand that, then we can have a different discussion than we have now, which is like you hear them come in, what's, what's the hardest hitting thing you got? And it's like, that's exactly like going into a liquor store and just getting grain alcohol. Great, you're gonna get drunk, but where's the, the, the taste, the effect, you know, like that wine gives you? Uh, so we're hoping the market matures. And I, I really feel very confident the market will mature. Because when we first got into the market, everybody wanted sativas, and we knew, okay, this is a relatively young market, young, young, mean uh, new new smokers, and we realized that they're going to eventually go. to What happens is they go for the sativas, and then eventually they go, they go to the OGs, because the OG has is a much more dynamic high, and exact that's exactly what happened. And we are OG specialists, yet we're probably one of the few companies. I don't really know of many companies that can grow OGs the way we grow, at the same time grow exotics the way we grow, indicas the way we grow, and sativas. And that's a testament not only to Ali and his uh, team. I want to mention Scully and uh, John, John Richards, who are um, badass, badass master growers that have been with us. Uh, they've been friends with Ali for a lifetime. They're my uh, closest friends, and they're incredible. And they, uh, they basically, just to give you, there's a clean green certification in California started by Mr. Van Hook, who used to work uh, for the federal government of doing organic um, certification since it's federally illegal. You cannot get organic certification. So he did something called clean green certification. And the first three indoor clean green certified uh, growers work for us. And that's Ali, John, and Scully. 
So uh, to Scully and John, guys, you know I love you, so I wanted to mention you guys because you're very valuable, uh, including the rest of that team. But uh, they're very, very important uh, uh, people in our organization. And that, that's what makes us special is, again, like we have real talent that can grow all the different strains but also grow it organically. That's really cool. And with that, like, clean green, it, it brought up a question for me, too. Like, what's the time when it, it, you're determined a master grower exactly? Is it, like, after you produce on a certain scale with a certain quality, or is there, like, a... Not a, not just that, but you're also able to weather every challenge that comes your way because you're dealing with a life form. You're dealing with farming, gardening. You're not producing plastic trinkets in a mold, pumping them out on a conveyor belt. Um you're dealing with it's almost like children or puppies or whatever. Maybe it's a living thing that needs care, day-to-day care. Uh, so with that is going to come pests, diseases, problems, and all the issues that come along with biology, you know, and chemistry. You have to be able to weather them. You have to have the knowledge and the experience and the confidence to deal with it. That That's when you really become a master grower. That you're able to do that and in the face of it maintain quality and quantity. Wow. Right? Because if you don't get a certain quantity... You're not going to pay your bills. You're going to go out of business. Yeah, I, operating I could get costs. real stressful. Huh? Oh, it can. And I've I've come close multiple times, and I've had to borrow money multiple times. Um, it's a tough business, you know, and it has a lot of overhead. There are a lot of operating costs, including use of energy, um, trimming, you know, staffing. Uh, there are certain costs that apply to the underground model and the recreational model. There are even way more costs in the recreational space, in in the regulated space where we are. So you have to get quality and quantity and be able to weather every challenge that comes down the pipeline. Real talk, real talk. And that's why, again, I love your guys' story. It's like that Rocky story. You know, you guys have been in the game. You've been in the trenches doing it. And now what you have is awesome. Like, I have been. Yeah. yeah and uh, like I said, like we, we, when we were underground growers, we could have used, uh, you know, uh, illegal, uh, like they call them PGRs, uh, basically uh, – so that's, it's called like phospholoading. You use phos, these phosphoload. Um, Stands for plant growth regulators. And they're very, Wrap very. Wrap your mind around that. Yeah, they cause cancer. And we looked at each other and they're like, but you could get a third more yield. You could make almost twice as much money. And I said, dude, I'm not comfortable with giving somebody cancer. But again, 99% <laughs> of the growers were using them on the underground. 99%, I would say. like, And it's illegal in California, actually, but they would smuggle them in from out of state. So we always had that methodology in terms of our, our mind is like, no, you know, we're, we're above that, man. It's not just about money. There's a cause here. And I really do believe like we're in the karma business. Cannabis is a karma business and karma is a universal law. It's not, has nothing to do with federal regulation. It has nothing to do. It's a federal, it's, it's a universal law. And we really do believe the universe has gifted us in many ways. The reason how we got quest and how things happen, the universe is paying us back for the karma that we've put in. And actually paying back people that, you know, that deserve to not be in this business because a lot of people got kicked out of the business, rightfully so. Uh, the other thing is, I think you, when we talked, you wanted to know about the, our, some of our other practices, which is like um, flushing. And, uh, you know, we basically, the, the life cycle of a flower, when it goes into flowers, eight and a half weeks. In the last three weeks, we only use water. And it reduces the amount of yield we can get, so we could probably get make more money if we just kept giving the plant nutrients but it would affect the actual quality and the taste and so what we do is for the last three weeks we give it just flour and it flushes out all the sugars and the salts for, and the nutrients from the soil the water yeah pure water we just pure water we just give for until until the residual water that comes out is clear and so at 
so at a certain point, the plant is now is just you're getting the pure product, pure flower. And then once we do that, we basically also we cure it the right way. A lot of people are so quick to just dry it, trim it, get it on the market. No, we we dry it, we trim it, and once it gets chopped, it goes only into glass. And that's a, logistically, you have to understand how difficult that is to uh, be, to basically not put it in any kind. I of I can process. elaborate so, if okay. you want. Yeah, yeah so please. yeah, yeah. Let's elaborate on three things here. Uh, first, what flushing is. Plants have roots. Everybody knows the roots grow downwards into the soil. The roots build up these molecules around them. They're salts and sugars. Uh, those are food sources for the plant. They hitch onto the root. They enter the plant. They go up the plant, and they spread out through the branches of the plant. When you're flushing the plant towards the end of its life, you're just introducing pure water into the soil, into that medium. That water is sort of, um, what do you call it, streaming by the roots and pulling those salts and sugars I just mentioned off of the root zone and flushing it out of the pot, out into the drain. And the more you do that, the more volume of water you introduce, the more of a pure taste the cannabis flower has. It tastes the way that genetic, that strain is supposed to taste, not like all the salts and the sugars that I just mentioned taste. Those have an influence on the taste of the plant. So by flushing it, we remove those uh, molecules and we liberate the plant to taste like the original genetics. The second point was about the freshness of the plant. So if anybody's been to Amsterdam, uh, one thing you might notice is all the cannabis there in the coffee shops is relatively wet. It's hard to smoke. If you roll a joint or take a bong hit, uh, it blackens very quickly because it still has a lot of moisture in it. It hasn't been dried out properly. Cannabis flower needs to be dried out and then cured properly to perfection. Then you have a really smooth, high-quality smoke. So they rush it in Amsterdam in order to make their money faster. The same practices do exist in the United States in the regulated markets, whether it be here or Colorado or anywhere else. So what we do is we let the plant thoroughly dry, then we let it thoroughly cure. And the curing is the third aspect here is going into glass. So we don't want our cannabis flower touching plastic Every time you move that plastic around, there's an electrostatic type of charge. Imagine like, like, a, like a lightning bolt that your eyes can't see that moves through the plastic bag that then zaps those THC crystals off the flower. So we leave the maximum amount of crystal of the trichome still on the flower when we transfer it into a glass case as opposed to plastic bags. Uh, and as you can imagine, for the amount of flour we process and how much glass we have to have to cure it in, it is a real pain in the behind, for sure. But we have to do it. We have to, because we have a really high standard of excellence. And how big, I'm just trying to picture like the glass cases, is it like a like a fish tank size? No, no, or each it... one pound has its own jar. Oh, okay. It's and a it massive has to be cured every day. So every day, we have people that just go in. Full time. Full time, that just open it, because the, 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 the right way to cure cannabis is, is to give it a little bit of fresh air every day, but without light, okay? So the thing is, is it has to be systematically done so that every day for, depending on the strain, for example, OGs are the hardest to cure because OGs rehydrate. So you think it's dry, you put it in the jar, and then it's wet, and it's, it's, a, it's a bad experience for the end user. Anytime cannabis is wet, you get a harsh smoke. If, if you wanna know if it's good cannabis, if you get a, if it's harsh in your throat, that's bad. 
if you start coughing from your lungs, that's good because it's expanding in your lungs. There's a difference. I can tell when I smoke something and I'm like, wow, it's in my lungs. But if it's in my throat, that means it's not basically, it hasn't been cured really well. So Or flushed well. Or flushed well. It's, in, it's yeah. possible it's both are it, a problem. It, it, it's really, you know, and it's, it's constantly teaching people. Um, and basically, again, that's why we say the, the tribe, the community, it's valuable that these people care. And these people do it passionately. And that's so important because you don't want somebody just doing it because you told them to, right? They actually come up with ideas and teach us. And so we're humbled. We're humbled from, you know, we, 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 we have people in our distro that come up with ideas that save the company money. We, you know, we have people in retail that, you know, are amazing that we've been working with that help us. And, and in the, we're mainly cultivators, but even in the cultivation space, the curing space, people come and give us ideas. And it's humbling to see like, wow, man, they, they really are thinking outside the box. And the reason they're able to do that is because they're comfortable being allowed to do that. And so the, the amount of logistics that we do to differentiate us from other people nobody wants to replicate nobody wants to use soil because believe me that's how we, when we started him and i used to mix the soil it's backbreaking work and i want to give mad love to our our, our team that, you know that 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 you know the flip the rooms and do that for us because uh it really is very difficult work and and you really have to love what you're doing uh it's very difficult work to deal with soil it, logistically it's difficult to deal with soil logistically it's difficult to deal with glass you know glass jar breaks you lose the pound you know what i mean uh you know so Everything is so logistically difficult that nobody wants to replicate it because they want the easy route. We've taken the def way more difficult route, uh, and it's not as profitable, but at the end of the day, it is more profitable because we're always selling. And so when there's like dips, like right now, we, we you know that in the fall, it's the out, outdoor season comes in, they call it the flood. And then in the summer, it's called the drought. We don't have those highs and lows as much uh, anymore because you know people buy the brand. And therefore, the grow is able to consistently survive, uh, even through tough times, because the product is sold. So it's almost like making sure you do your homework before a test. You're going to pass. It, nobody wants to do the homework. Nobody wants to do the difficult. It's like working out or anything else, right? Nobody wants to work out. Nobody wants to train self-defense because you know to, to be a fighter. But if you get hit on the street, now you can defend yourself, right? And so that's the thing as a company. We feel like we're taking long-term investments in our people, you know, uh, in our product, in our brand, in everything we do. Uh, so, and even like we just, he mentioned you were doing a, a new clothing line. We're starting it very light, but we've decided to stop using uh, disposable um, fashion. So all our products will be made in the, US, in the U.S. It's a higher caliber product, but it's the kind of piece that you would wear that you would actually buy from a store. So therefore you won't just toss it on the side. So we're thinking on multiple levels on how we can, uh, you know, uh, t also how we can take people that basically um, in normal situ situations wouldn't really thrive in this economy, right? Or in, in, in the United States, because most of the manufacturing jobs have been shipped overseas. But within our program and within what we teach them, they have uh, a place where they can actually elevate. And as we expand, these people are going to be making six-figure incomes. And we're, re again, we're very proud of that. So it, it, it all is all connected from the curing to having that six, it all actually translates into one, one thing, source. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. And with and with that process, or those last three, like the um, flushing, the drying, and the curing, out of those three, is there a certain one that's kind of, you know, gives you the hardest time, or might have the hardest the hardest part about it, where you might lose the product, or they're just all kind of they're all equally they're important. All equally. I'll give you an example. You could have a perfectly grown cannabis plant, 
and completely mess it up on the drying. You could have perfectly grown, well-dried, and completely mess it up on the curing, especially the OGs. Anybody watching this knows what I'm talking about. If you're an OG smoker, it's really easy to screw it up after it's already been harvested and dried because of the way the buds off-gas. Um, I don't know how much time we have, but I'd be happy to elaborate any one of these subjects if you want, whether it's the off-gassing or the flood and drought of the outdoor season, whatever uh, you guys want to get into. That's why we but, also introduced but, something. We introduced uh, something that nobody else has. If you open that lid, uh, we're the only company that has a resealable lid. Um, if you, uh, when you open it, you can actually put it on there and, and stick it back on. It seals it. There's this, oh, like the, like the little inside inner, the yeah. insert. It adds that little, like, yeah. it's like a yeah, grommet kind of. It just keeps resealing so that you can always keep it fresh. Uh, and that's really important. Excited because, to roll this up. Or <laughs> yeah, you're going to so we think about everything, like every aspect of it, and it's it's an evolution. It, it didn't all come in one time. We just we we heard what the consumer was saying, and the, our, our, honestly, the biggest feedback we get is from the people that work for us because they're actually smokers, and they're honest with us, and they tell us like, hey, you know, the OG needs a little bit more curing, and so, but yeah, but distro needs more product, and we had to tell our people like, look, I'd rather wait, and and I'll give you just a small example of how we think of a brand as a brand. Last year, we we had product that was subpar, and we basically decided to bulk it out. And our salespeople were like, but we're going to look inconsistent in front of the buyers because for three weeks, we're not going to have any flour. I said, we'd, I'd rather we look inconsistent in front of the buyer than look inconsistent in front of the consumer. Because if somebody's making 15, 20 bucks an hour and they're buying some really low price outdoor weed and then they want that one eighth of source for, you know, when the football game plays or, you know, or if they're going on a special, you know, hike or whatever, but they want that really, that fire that smokes well. That If I look inconsistent, if we, if we as a brand look inconsistent in front of that person that just spent 60, 70 bucks on an eighth, we've lost them. And so that I, we are not willing to risk. We, we, we are committed to making sure that the end user always has the best product. If that means we can't sell the product to the stores for months, so be it. But it will never go inside a source jar unless we know that they're going to have the best experience. And that's our dedication and commitment to them. If they're going to spend their hard-earned dollars on our product, we're going to give them the value. And our product is actually, it is a true value compared to everybody else that's out there. A lot of, There's a lot of hype brands. There's a lot of hype product. We want value. We bring basically uh, a quality to, and, you know, to, to mass, mass growth, you know. I can tell right now, man. This is this is looking looking smelling like it right here. Yeah, it's very <laughs> we're very proud of it. And what you said there too, man, just reflects your guys's whole model, and it's beautiful. I think anybody can learn from that. Of just like you're saying, with that three weeks focusing on the consumer, a state of saying, "Oh, we got to hit our numbers. We got to get this. Let's do it right." So we don't. That's why we really don't want. Like we've been offered a lot of money. We got offered people that want to invest in our brand and you know give us a big grow and do this and do that and. The reason we don't want to deal with investors, we don't want to deal with, with, with people from the outside because we don't want somebody telling us like, hey, you have to cut labor by 10% or you can't give 95% of the people's insurance. Because if we sit there and split the insurance with them 50-50, a lot of people can't even afford to pay for that insurance. And it's not their fault that the system has failed them. It is you know, our responsibility as, you know, if we want to be role models within the organization, if we want to be the leaders of the organization, it is, I think the best thing I ever heard was if you really want happy employees, treat them like your children. And so how would I treat my children? I don't really have kids, but if I did, I would give them health insurance and I would make sure I pay for it. So the main, the, the, the meaning behind that is like really care about your, your, your team, you know, and we are a team. So it, it translates. It, 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 we can keep going like it, it all, it's all one big picture, you know.
Yeah, man, that's that's deep, and it shows, and you you're gonna keep it that way forever. That's why we don't want some bank telling us, you know, hey, you know, here's all this money we won't sit on the board. Sorry, but you can't give this person this benefit, or you can't give the raise to these people, or you need to cut this cost or cut that cost. No, we're not that brand. You it know? makes it even more I impressive don't be, yeah. for what you guys have built, you know, yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, man. Like, what do you, what do you guys see um, in the future? Are there any kind of strains you're working on, or something you're excited about? Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be introducing in 2021. We're going to be introducing our extract line. So some of our favorite strains are going to be going into extracts. We do things very methodical and slow and measured. We don't really just go to, you know, all these brands went to like Columbia and Illinois and Canada and all these different things. We don't do that. You know, our, our theme has always been to conquer California. Conquer California, you conquer the world. We're a California brand. We're a West Coast brand. You know, we're a U.S. brand. So we are very confident that, you know, we're going to be the Red Bull, you know, of of cannabis. We're going to basically be global brand. Uh, we already get... I just got an email from Germany, you know, uh, saying, hey, you know, we've been trying to get you. They don't understand that we can't export to Germany yet. But, uh, you know, as the laws change, we'll be all over the world, you know. And I think one of the things is that one day you're going to be on an airplane and you're going to be looking at the duty free and there's going to be cologne, liquor and source. So we we know that we're going to get there. We're just taking our time and doing it right as opposed to just taking every opportunity that comes our way. We want it to be measured and consistent. And that's not easy to do. So it's constantly trying to control your, you know, your ambition, which is we're very ambitious people. But again, the mission is more important than the ambition. And will you with that, um, with the concentrates, will you do that in house? Like, um, no, we are going to uh, we're basically vetting. We want somebody that has the same mindset that we have. That can basically produce the quality that we demand. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. We will not introduce anything that we don't feel is the best. So if it means lower yields less income uh it's more about the for us being consistent with who we are as a brand so we're vetting the companies we think we found a really good one and we basically have a focus group that we trust and if they approve i think that that's the company we're going to go with it's less margins for us but overall it, it keeps it consistent with what we want you know as a brand cool i'm excited for that yeah that's really cool and what do you guys do with like um the like leftover trim and shake? Um, do you send it off to somebody to make some like distillate with it? Or? Yeah, we have colleagues that you know we we yeah. we basically take you know we we have we have people within the industry that we respect that we that we sell to. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of these people that we've known for years, so there's a lot of mutual respect within the organization. And you know, in this industry, if people don't know. I think about cannabis is that your reputation is everything. So we have that reputation. Uh, and we have a lot of colleagues that we respect that we work with. And again, we don't want to be the only one, you know, winning at the at the finish line. We want, you know, we want us all to cross that line together. So we're not like trying to compete or take anybody down. There's there's two ways to, to, to be at the top is to build everybody or tear everybody down. And you're the only one left standing. We want everybody to build. But I think that the market itself is is really ejecting a lot of the bad players that, you know, you know, no disrespect, but like. A lot of people came in with a Harvard graduate degree and two hundred million dollars, and lost it all. You know, there's a lot of people that thought that it's all just about packaging or it's just all about this or just and it's it's so you for me to explain. I had to tell this guy, like, hey, can you be a surgeon tomorrow? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Then you can be a master grower. Yeah, you know, yeah, can you like... be the, then? Then you understand like the business side. You can't. It's it, it's a good synergy that we have with great growers and great. 
I have a lot of experience in the cannabis business side. That's what makes it do well. But you can't just come from the outside and get into this business and say, we're going to do well. You will get ejected because the consumer, it's all about being real. If you're not real with them, they're going to sniff it. They're not stupid. And that's the thing that bothers us. They think that this industry is a bunch of potheads and idiots. No. Some of the smartest people I know smoke cannabis and grow cannabis. So, And some of the most real ones, too, like you're saying, like that can see like oh this doesn't seem right there's some some fish and that brings another question in my head when we were talking earlier about you know people using this chemical and stuff or whatever they may be using or if they're not flushing properly is there like i know you said something in the throat you know if you feel in the throat versus lungs is there some other ways maybe you might be able to tell that you're getting a product that's subpar the quality of the ash um product that's higher grade is going to leave more of a gray colored ash especially a lighter gray color um, product that is congested with these plant growth regulators and nutrients or um, is not properly dried. Uh, the ash is going to be tend to be darker colors. Uh, something like a joint or a bowl is going to burn out faster. It won't just keep burning on its own. Uh, that's, that's also a sign that it's been properly flushed and properly cured. Um, of course, the, how it feels when you ingest it. Um, sometimes it can be hot in the nasal uh, area. It can be hot in the throat. It can be hot in the sinuses. Um, it can give you an instant headache. It can give you this instant feeling of a parched mouth and dehydration. Uh, those are all uh, uh, signs of um, cannabis flower that is improperly grown and handled. Uh, it should be a hangovers. smooth... You can hangovers. Hangovers. Yeah, the next day hangover. You wake up the next day after you took a bong hit the night before, before going to bed, and you feel um, uh, hazy, you know, and you feel groggy. Uh, it's tired. P- tired. Um, also, the function of the high. How functional. I can smoke our product and be very functional. And that's the thing that people, like, you have to understand, is most hydroponic cannabis, you get a surge. It's like a roller coaster. You get this surge of super, super, you're super high, and then you crash. The way we grow, it's very, it's the, the curve is milder. You, you gradually get high, and it gradually goes away without you realizing it. Uh, another key feature is the temperature when you smoke it. So it should burn cool, is what we like to say. So when you take a hit of cannabis that's been well flushed, properly dried and cured, uh, the the hit doesn't feel as hot when it hits your uh, mouth and your nose. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling like you're talking about. Even in the lips, sometimes it could be like that. It can. Hot. It can even that's burn right. your yeah. lip. That's yeah. right. Yep. And um, when you said like the hangover, it made me think of taking edibles and having like a weed hangover. Have you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on uh, edibles? I think we would probably introduce it in the next couple of years uh, in a in a small dose format. Uh, but I, I don't have anything. I don't use edibles myself. I've, I've had great, the best experience of my life on an edible and the worst experience of my life on an edible. So everyone's different. I don't have any really, you know, thought on edibles that much. There's a lot of good brands out there. Uh, I think you have better probably brands out there that do edibles than you do have uh, marijuana flower, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Just from consuming other brands, edibles. Because well, I love edibles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's a little bit more systematic. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Interesting. But, you know, along the lines of our dialogue about not leaving anybody out, source is all-inclusive. We're for anybody who enjoys our products. Um, yeah, down the road, we'll, we'll look into an edible line, certainly, because why not, right? There are some people that prefer it over um, smoking or vaping, and we have a very high-grade flower. So, yeah, why not make edibles someday? Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. And this here... Uh, Everybody, listen. You got to come on and watch this. I'll do. I'll even get a shot after some close-ups of this stuff, so you can see the tower book here. 
my reading for tonight? It's mostly for on the go. So if you if you go to the beach, you can take it with you and just you have the okay. ashtray, you have the lighter, and you have the joint. Jack, there's a lot of knowledge in there. <laughs> Get enlightened tonight. I'm about to. I'm about to, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to tap even deeper into the source, man. Awesome. So. Thank you for having yeah. us, man. It's been yeah, great. Thank you. Anytime, this guys. Yeah, this, cool. this was awesome. Yeah. Look forward to you know hopefully collaborating again. Maybe Absolutely. go check out your guys' spot. Would be awesome if I could ever have that opportunity. Come on down. Come on, give you a tour. Awesome, yeah. man. I'm pumped up. Thanks again, guys, and uh, yeah. You're welcome. Cool. All right. This is True Buds, that Mary Jane. Now we ain't new to this. For my stoners and for my cannabis enthusiasts. Never heard a show as good as this. Yeah, number one, it's the best. Bringing in many special guests in the industry of cannabis. Business owners to growers, even artists you know of. So sit back and just roll up the perfect show for my smokers. True Buds.